welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Look, Leland, all I'm going to say is they never would have made it this far if I hadn't pushed them. So you're welcome. I like to think they wouldn't have made it this far if I didn't believe in them. Um, I mean, it's been awesome. It's just like an absolutely monumental run for, you know, I mean, a team making it to the Final Four is just an incredible run, incredible season, especially with where women's basketball has been for so long. For us to jump up into that kind of rank is just awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whether we have, like, as a co-host or not, you know, people that don't believe, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice that they prove people wrong. Like, they get the one seed, and people might say, well, Iowa deserved it, or this, or this. And, and I'm not necessarily going to say Iowa doesn't deserve a one seed. They look, they look great. And they've played themselves into the final four. Mm-hmm. But for Tech to also do that from the one position in a bracket that, you know, a region that had UConn, even though they didn't have to face UConn, um, and Tennessee, who they did have to beat Tennessee, um, Ohio State, a very solid Ohio State team who they did beat. I mean, they absolutely earned their way here. You know, I, I've never once in my defense of Virginia Tech women's basketball that I had to do on this podcast said anything negative or eager to play Iowa or South Carolina. So I'm very glad that's going to happen on the other side of the bracket um, because both of those teams very good. Uh, Caitlin Clark, especially for Iowa. Um, and then, you know, just the roster for South Carolina. So I'm, I'm happy that one of those teams will be eliminated uh, on Friday night. And I'm hoping Virginia Tech has the right to play the winner of that game in a national championship, which would be absolutely incredible. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and just go through how you were wrong and what you were wrong about, because I said how you were wrong before it happened. Um, I can let you review that. I, I encourage you to review how you're wrong and, and how, how that's gone down. But I'm just happy. I'm just I'm all positive. Like, I, I'm just so happy that they have made it this far. Um, the way Ohio State played in the Elite Eight game, I was – accepting of whatever would happen in that game with Virginia Tech because I thought Ohio State was playing really good basketball. I thought they were going to come with an incredible press like they they did in the Elite Eight. And they did press Virginia Tech early and realized it was just allowing them to give up easy baskets. So I love how prepared we were for that moment and uh, won that game, earned it. It was until that game before we trailed in a game in this tournament. It's just so many positives, just so many things positive about play. I'll, I'll get into what I'm maybe the most happy about here in a second, but just overall, Tech women's basketball has absolutely made my year so far um, from a football season that's been lacking, from a men's basketball season that left a lot to be desired. Women's basketball has kind of made up for it in this incredible run. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, I was wrong. Uh, I've said that I didn't think they could get past Tennessee in a rematch. I didn't think they would get past UConn. Um, They didn't have to play UConn. They did get past Tennessee. And then they played Ohio State. And kind of, in my opinion, I mean, I know it was close there and and a little bit back and forth, especially in the first half, was very tight. But I left that game. I mean, I was watching it, and I was at halftime, I was like, man, I kind of like the way Tech's playing. Like, I think they're actually going to win this game. And Better team. Yeah. Um, I, I had actually already texted you after Ohio State beat UConn. I was like, OK. I uh, I am wrong. And uh, I texted you that before the Elite Eight game even happened, because I was like, I actually do think Virginia Tech could beat Ohio State. And they came out, they got off to a good start, uh, was very competitive. And then they just allowed their players to shine. 
and they've got so much talent on that team. And um, I think one of the people I'm most happy for, obviously the athletes, but Kenny Brooks, I mean, just a local, local yeah. legend uh, to this area. Cause he's from the Waynesboro area. And then he also coached at JMU. I was there at JMU when he was coaching that women's team. And, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you heard us talk to Mike Barber about that when he was in Harrisonburg covering the team as well. And just great teams at JMU, but obviously being at JMU, it's more difficult to find that success in the postseason. And now with this team at Virginia Tech, he has built a just a huge winner. And honestly, I mean, he has. He's built that. That, that team is not some, you know, blue blood, power five women's basketball program. When he got there, there wasn't much in the cupboard. And he has managed to build that program back into the success that the little bit of success they had in the 90s when they made, and I believe it was an Elite Eight run then. Ani um, Hendrickson, I think, was the yep, coach. Yeah. Uh, made an Elite Eight run in the 90s. But outside of that, Virginia Tech women's basketball, not really great either. And so Kenny Brooks has now made this kind of a, a name brand program. And, and that game against Ohio State outrated any NBA game on ESPN this year. In fact, every single Elite Eight women's game, except for Miami LSU, rated every NBA regular season, outrated every NBA regular season game that has been on ESPN this year, which is amazing. That's great news. Um, I I know when you talk ratings, you can kind of cut it however you want, but I I don't think there's a bad or a negative spin there for women's basketball on that front. I think it shows that it's growing in popularity. I think ESPN is going to have to pay more for television rights in the future on women's basketball, which is great. I think this spells good news for the WNBA because the fans that are watching these games are going to remember these names when they get into the WNBA and they're going to follow them. And yeah. that's, that's kind of how follow. you start this, right? That's the popularity of college sports in this country creates the later uh, popularity in professional sports to some extent, because fans, I mean, Leland, we do it all the time with our Virginia tech football players. If they get into the NFL, we follow them. If JMU football players get in the NFL, I follow them. Um, and now, you know, it's going to be the Kitleys, it's going to be the Amores, it's going to be the Souls, it's going to be the Clarks. Yeah, for this tech fan base, yeah. They're, and then they're already following Shepard at Las Vegas. I mean, yeah, you, know, you kind of hit on two topics there. I want to hit the rating side first. I, I love it. And I think women's sports in general has kind of had this saying or, or phrase where, like, if you show it, they will come. And, and you know, if, if, it, if you give it a chance on TV, it'll, it'll play. What did we see last year with softball? The last two years with softball. What did you see? It, and this is also times when we've had local teams involved, but it has it, it stretched more than that. It's, it's a national thing. And you're seeing ESPN.com stories talking about the following that these women's sports are getting. And, you know, who'd have thought you put it on TV in a, in a better spot than hiding it. And, and sure enough, you get ratings and it's exciting. And, you know, if anybody wants to tear apart the women's game, then just shut up and, and enjoy the basketball that you're seeing. I, I, it's not like you watch softball and tear it apart because it's not baseball. I, I kind of look at women's basketball and, and men's basketball kind of with that similar tone. I mean, it's, yeah, the women's game is not played above the rim, but, you know, there's a lot more, you know, strategic stuff happening and a lot more offense and a lot, you know, just less one guy dribbling and trying to take on the whole court. Like, it's it's a fun game to watch. And so there's nothing wrong with that. I I hope this encourages ESPN to put more women's sports at prime spots. I love all season that they had committed kind of Thursday nights 
a slot, I think, on ESPN2 to women's basketball. I mean, you were continuously in South Carolina. You know, a lot of the, the big names, but, like, they were there, and that was awesome. So I, I hope there's going to be more of that across the board. I think women's soccer, maybe I'm not, I'm not sure at the college level as much, but I think that women's soccer league with the success that the women's uh, United States team has, I think is another good example where ESPN and, and whoever owns the rights might be more willing to kind of put it at better spots because you're seeing more people turning into the women's game. Yeah. On, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, on, while, on the, while we're on the topic, sorry. And then I'll let you yeah, go to Kenny. Yeah. But while we're on the topic, I mean, the Iowa Louisville game was the highest rated of the games. And so that it didn't yeah. get to the level of, you know, the men's tournament or anything, but it's still the highest rated college basketball game and higher rated than any NBA game uh, for ESPN. And, and that's great. That's great. Uh, and I think Caitlin Clark obviously has a lot to do with that. You know, I think some of this is helped out by the NBA guys bringing fans attention that maybe weren't thinking about watching, but they see all their NBA heroes tweeting about it. And they're like, Hey, maybe I should give this a look then. And they're seeing, Hey, these players are good. Caitlin Clark can shoot it from anywhere on the floor. I mean, that's the thing. Like I'm watching the games with some buddies while we're out celebrating a birthday this weekend. And every time she pulls up, I'm like, that's a bad shot. And it goes in and I'm like, okay, never mind. Like she's shooting from the logo just to do it. And, um, it, and she has a little, she has a little swagger. She talks. She does. A bit. I, it, mean, I not, love it. I love it. I love it. Crazy in your face. This isn't, you know, University of Miami level, but like she has, she backs it up though. And you love it. And that's what the Louisville game helped because they had another player over there that mm-hmm. had some spunk to her. And a lot of these teams do. So like the personalities have really come out this year and, and it's, it's been fun to watch. And, but like uh, you said, watch. like you said, I mean, they've, they've had the games on TV. You didn't have to go searching on ESPN Plus or ESPN3 to find a lot of these games. They were on ESPN platforms. And and maybe some of them you had to go on ESPN Plus if if it was a really like lower on lower seed, on lower seed, but the top teams were always on ESPN or ESPN2. The good games would get on ESPN or ESPN2 at some point or ESPNU. Um and, and that helps. You know, you're talking about the women's soccer team and what they've kind of created. I mean, they got a deal with uh, Discovery and HBO, like their games are on yeah, HBO Max. Like that's a big deal for them. And yes, I know there's a big paywall there that maybe a lot of people don't have, but yeah, but this they, is the future of. But TV, they weren't getting. Yeah, I was gonna say they weren't getting TV deals before that. Their their friendlies and other tournaments that they were in was like, uh, we'll find you at the World Cup, and, or the She Believes Cup. And now it's getting on. Their all their friendlies are on. All their tournaments are on. And that's great. And the men's team is now part of the HBO. I think the U.S. soccer has sold their rights together. But they're on HBO Max now, too. And like you said, I mean, that's the future. Like, Major League Baseball, With if you have been following at all, to sidetrack ourselves for a little bit, but the regional networks going bankrupt, that's the future of Major League Baseball right there. They're either going to go to Apple or they're going to go to Amazon. Yeah, It's one of those two. So, jumping back to Kenny, and that's kind of the number one point I wanted to get to is I'm just so happy for him. Like as much as I am a tech fan and I'm happy about my own fandom, just here's this man from home. He's from here. I mean, he grew up in the same area as me. And, you know, at one point in his life grew up where you live now. Like, it's just cool to know that. And then how much I watched him at JMU. I'm not going to say I watched him play at JMU because I was a little bit before my time, but 
coaching there, we win all the time. I, I have been to way more women's basketball games at JMU than I have men's games because Kenny was one of the reasons. I, you know, I wanted to go cheer for Kenny's team, and I liked the teams that they brought together and the type of players and the type they way, the way they played. I liked some of the local players, but like all of that package. And for him to be able to go to a Power 5 school and have a view of how his style was going to work at that level, because you're not recruiting the same players. You're recruiting better players at a Power 5 program. It's just the, it's the truth. And for him to still have a familiar style with these better athletes, it, it, you know, from a recruiting statement, it's awesome. I just love that he stayed true to himself, true to who he is, is able to do more with it. And, and you know, they are a little more <clears throat> quick on offense uh, with, with what they have there. But defense looks a lot of the same. And you see the same priorities and all that. So I, I just love that. I love that when they talk about who Kenny Brooks is, that I have so much familiarity with what that is. And that makes me proud of, of what he's done. And, you know, we talked to um, – with the Valley boys coming, he's, he's a part of it. He's one of the Valley boys. Like he was a big time basketball player at Waynesboro and went to JMU. That's a big deal. And then for him to have the success as a coach, I'm racking my brain on what like bigger accomplishments athletically have happened than a coach coaching his team to the final four that is from this area. I know we'll have Patrick Ite on in the near future. I know he's wrote articles. I know there's going to be discussions of that kind of nature. And there, and there is other people to mention. But Kenny's right up there with anybody. And I love that, that, he, that, we, that we can claim him. I think that's so cool. And I love that he's getting the recognition across the board. When you see Magic Johnson after the game tweeting about the Hokies and Kenny Brooks, seeing the respect from the other coaches, seeing other celebrities in the world that have tweeted about Hokie basketball and, and – Kenny Brooks. I, I just absolutely love it. I love that he's getting that recognition. I know we have Gino Ariema. I know we have Pat Summit. I know we have Don um, down there in South Carolina. I, I'm it's not saying Kenny Brooks is the greatest women's basketball coach of all time, but he has put his name up on that map to be mentioned with, you know, the upper echelon of coaches. You know, he's, he's a, you know, top 25 coach, no doubt about it. No fooling. And when he was at JMU, he was that level of coach. That's why they even made it to the top 25. That's why they made it in the tournament. Like he was that good a coach, but now at a big school, he's, he's making the most of it and he's getting them up there. And I mean, he's two games away from winning a national championship. He's got a heck of a road to win that national championship and no one's going to be betting on him. I made a women's bracket and I didn't pick tech to win it. I played him. I picked him to play in the national championship game, but I didn't pick him to win it because of how dominant South Carolina is. But just the fact that we're even mentioning it, even that fact that there's a scenario where he is, you know, one game away that are two games away at this point. I'm hoping he gets to one game away. is just crazy and awesome. And that's how you build for more, you know, you know, who's to say what happens in five, 10 years, Kenny Brooks has built the foundation that can, can keep going and keep winning. You can see that with the players. He has the young players, the type of people he's being recruited. Everybody in this sport knows that. Everybody's been saying that. Part of why I've been so confident about them down the stretch of this season, because I, you see what they have. You see the, the positives that are getting said about it. And then they started winning games in a row. And I just I was increasingly confident in that, and, and I'm glad it paid off. I even, I'm glad we're not on here talking about, well, Hey, they were so close, but yeah, they proved that they belonged, but you know, they were still, at a, no, they're there. They're in the final four. That's the goal for every team is to get your hat in that rain. So I'm so, so proud of Kitty Brooks and, and doing that job. Yeah. And I mean, I think again, like you said, I mean, it just, what he was able to do when he was at JMU and the players he got when he was at JMU were just 
Honestly, like when he was at JMU, I remember watching because, like you, I've been to more women's games at JMU. Don Evans was great there, and he got her. Yeah, that Don Evans is the one that I still like. Thinking back, I'm like, how did he get Don Evans at JMU? Yeah, because she should have been somewhere else. And but he convinced her to go there. And now that he's at Virginia Tech, he's bringing in all these All Americans and absolutely just crushing it in the ACC, which is an absolute beast of a conference in women's basketball. And he's he won. He won the regular season. He won the conference tournament. Now he's going into this NCAA tournament, and he's the one seed. He's a one seed, and now he's in the final four. And he wasn't trailing until the Elite Eight game. Like yeah, it's just they've been so dominant. And when they were trailing in the Ohio State game, it's by one score. It's not like falling behind and then having to dig your way out of it. Like they absolutely were great this tournament and. Um, hopefully they beat LSU win or lose though. I mean, this is Virginia tech women's basketball is here to stay. Like as long as Kenny Brooks is there, you have no reason to think that that is going to change because all he has done is build programs. JMU did not slip off when they had success with Kenny Brooks. It was conference championship after conference championship. It's why Sean O'Regan gets so much crap at JMU now is because the conference championships are few and far between for JMU because they got used to what Kenny Brooks did. And they're like, Hey, Kenny Brooks did this. Like why, what happened? Why, why are we not going to the tournament every year now? And I think that kind of spoiled him a little bit, but Kenny Brooks is now going to do that at Virginia tech. Virginia tech fans could be like, yeah, uh, it's not that we're in the tournament. It's that we're a top seed in the tournament and we're going to be tearing through the tournament on the way to elite eights and final fours. And that's going to be regular now. And I mean, this team, this team is playing so well. And Kenny Brooks is such a great coach. And like you said, it's just, it's awesome that he's a local guy. It's awesome that he's a stand-up guy too. Cause that's the other thing. I mean, I'm not, and I don't, I'm not saying this about the women's coaches in particular, but we have said this about other coaches for other college programs, uh, maybe in the Harrisonburg area that they're successful, but we don't like, the language coming out of the locker rooms and that the result on Saturday seems to be the only thing that matters. Um, On the non is a non women's sport that you're referencing there. Correct. I think Saturday gives it away. Um, But the the phrasing there, there was a, I just, I wanted to be clear on, I'm not talking about Sean O'Regan. No one was missing your point. (laughs) Not talking about Sean O'Regan or Lauren Laporte. No, Um, (laughs) but that's the only person who's ever blocked me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> they they have kind of the wrong messaging, especially coaching college athletes, where you're like, uh, I don't know, maybe like, maybe there's other things that are important. And Kenny Brook gives that off. Like every time there's a question about like, oh, you know, what did you do here? What did you do? Here? The first thing he does is, well, I've just got these great players, and these are some of the best players I've ever had, and talks about them and, and their hard work and dedication. And that's what it should be about. It should be about those kids, and Kenny Brooks always doesn't want to take credit for it, always deflects to the players and gives them all the credit, and that's amazing. While he's, he continually sets them in positions to be successful. Yes, and I think that's the other thing, right? Like when, the, when Ohio State was trying to come back in that fourth quarter and the press was starting to get to him a little bit, you could tell Kenny Brooks calls timeout, draws up plays, puts them in a position to be successful and then they execute. I, that's the makings of a great coach. That's why Kenny Brooks is so good at it. It's why he's having success at Virginia tech. And that, like I said, the Hokies are going to be an ACC power now. 
I have no doubt. I, you don't have to convince me, Joe. In fact, with Kenny Brooks getting into the final four, yeah, I know. I have to be the one that's convinced. Um, but I'm a believer now. Um, so with Kenny Brooks you know getting into the nice. final four, uh, the ACC is now the only conference to have teams in the men's and women's final four. So. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad the Miami women got out. Um, I wasn't enjoying watching them as much. Um, well, the that was also maybe going to be a problem because they did kind of beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Yeah, we split. I mean, LSU's good, but yeah, I I I enjoyed from my dynamic being able to be optimistic and hopeful and positive, and then have that positive paid. I'm glad I didn't have to 180 on this. Yeah, like you did on the football program. We still don't see that one side. The same. We're not going to talk about that this week because we're staying. I'm staying positive of how happy I am about that. Um. We don't have to talk about like the rules in place for other sports. Happy about this. Happy that it stayed high, stayed positive, and I'm I'm just pumped. I want the positive to continue. Hoping Friday night they do that. They pray Friday night, Final Four, Texan the first game at seven against um against LSU, which is a very good team. Their their head coach t- gets a lot of attention. Um, she's the former Baylor coach. I am not a huge fan Get of her um, myself. But uh, she's flashy and wears the coats and then also has a mouth to back it up. So that's that'll be the story in the early game. The second game, I you know, you don't need any buildup. It's Iowa with with Caitlin Clark versus South Carolina and the undefeated record and looking to go back to back. It just it's it's awesome. It's really sets up for a big Friday. We already talked about ratings. There are gonna be big ratings on Friday night. For, yeah, for the women's game, it's going to be it, huge it's, ratings it's and really good. It really kind of feels like South Carolina is starting to fill that UConn vacuum. A little bit, but I think we're still. I think I think they are. I think they are. They are so dominant, and you just see her stay in there like you wouldn't really question that. Um, I think it helps that it's a little fresher there. That people are like, hey, it's not just UConn's going to beat them by forty, whoever mm-hmm. they're playing, and all that, and coming off Tennessee doing that. I think people aren't necessarily just as blindly knowledge that all South Carolina is going to dominate like that. So I think that helps some of the eyes come in and stuff. Now do this for this year and maybe next year too. And then maybe it starts to, well, also with the eyes, I think it's great. There's so many good teams that, that people believe have a good chance. Sure. And with the eyes on them, like if they go out and beat Iowa by 20 and then beat LSU or Virginia tech by 20, then people are going to be like, Oh, this is a team that's not going to yeah. be touched. So that'd be very impressive if they were to do that, um, which they're capable of. They are. I hope it's not. I hope they're great games. But moving to the men's I like side, the idea. The one thing I, I saw about Dawn, an idea being from Philadelphia, Temple, I believe, needs a new head basketball coach for the men. Someone was like, she should go coach the men over there. I, I think she could be on top of the world in the women's game and all that. But like, I wouldn't question that. I mean, if she went over there for a minute, I'd be like, Temple's going to get better. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that for a minute. She, right. She has that style that I think she would just drive that upward. I agree. I don't think she's going to take that. I don't think she would take I, that I job. Wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't if I were. I think you have, world. yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't know what Temple's men's basketball job can pay compared to South Carolina's women's job, but um, I would think the South Carolina women, I, are very well positioned to be dominant and I, Temple men. I think it would be some of that Philadelphia pride kind of thing would be maybe a big part of that. Even, and, and being a, a even as good of a coach as she a, is, though, I Temple men is going to be hard to succeed at this point. 
Yeah, I it would be it would be a cool thing if something like that happened. Um, I'd I'd root for her in that spot, and I wouldn't doubt her. So sure. Um, moving to the men's side, and this is going to be kind of where you didn't want to talk about the football, but I'm going to bring it back a little bit. Um, the conference that no one thinks is an elite conference is Conference USA. Um, Conference USA won the CBI championship. They will win the NIT championship because that's between two Conference USA teams. And they have a Conference USA team in the Final Four that could potentially win the men's NCAA championship. But yet no one gives any respect to Conference USA. In fact, it was a one-bid league. So, again, this is going to go to my perception or my point, Leland, that our perception of conferences are what ESPN and CBS and Fox tell us a perception of a conference is. So, yeah, I no one is banging the drum for Conference USA. I, I think it's very obvious that Conference USA was highly underrated this year. I think the ACC has Did been proven to be underrated. February 28th. Did I did, but you know what's crazy? They have these things called tournaments, and they let every conference in, and then they play. Yeah. And so we got to see that Conference USA was highly underrated. Whereas in football, they're scared of that. So the Power Five don't want to do that. Um, the media companies that actually can give the rights to these playoff holders don't want to force the issue. And um, so we will never know in football, maybe. But I hope one day we won't, and we'll see I hope why one day when the ratings we do. come out Monday. When the ratings come out Monday for what the Final Four does, you're going to see why football isn't going to buy into that. Like football wants the Blue Bloods, just like CBS will wish that they had the Blue Bloods this weekend because ratings go down when they're not in there. So whether it's right or wrong, I'm not going to touch on that point. Right I have now a question. It's probably wrong, but the people that make the decisions will not do it that way. You're absolutely right about that. They I have not, a question. They won't. Is do that. Is March Madness or the NCAA going to get less money when they sell the CBS TV rights? CBS will not be happy with the ratings after this weekend. I guarantee that. That's fine. Uh, are they writing any smaller of a check to the NCAA? When they have to go to add money later on, they're going to be afraid of what this year's uh, ratings I told the don't ad think companies. They will. They will not I like think they're going to look at the they ad companies and say, that like was that. an anomaly. That won't happen again. Yeah, because last year you had all blue bloods. I mean, and and mm -hmm. so you're gonna you're gonna rest your eyes on that. But as this tournament, I think now that we've seen two number one seeds go down, now that we see all the one seeds out before the final four, and and things have it, this isn't the first year. There's a sign of this. There's a trending this way that the game is spreading out. Before the NIL came, I think the NIL can help that. Before the transfer rules really changed, I think there's been a ten year period where talent is spreading out to a degree last year might have been the anomaly this year might not be where more teams have a chance to actually go deep i i think that all is going to play um you'll see you'll see cbs you know ads x be quick to be like the storylines and this and that but cbs very much so i mean I, I listen to a lot of these media podcasts i mean they love the tournament because that first weekend Everybody has a chance and everybody's tuning in. There's so many games and everybody gets on this team because they're winning at halftime and everybody's turning the channel to that. But when it comes to Final Four, they've seen it with George Mason. They've seen it with BCU. They've seen it with these other teams where the ratings drop when it's not a blue blood. So they aren't going to like that. It might be tough. They might need to deal with it because I really do think all these rules that I just wrote, ran out there are going to help this continue to spread out. And, and it does it does to a degree make it fun. It's just, you know, those ad execs and all those people are the ones that are, are gritting their teeth. Deal with it. I, 
I like the tournament the way it is. I think I think having these 64 teams in the tournament and all that, or how many ever it is now, 68. 68, yeah. When they talk about 128 or whatever they want to do, this is 132. This is why you don't touch it because like it's it's catching it's it's getting right. So just leave it alone. Like I don't we don't need more teams in the tournament. We don't need a 32 playing at one seed and all that. Like this, it's good like this. It's good like this. I agree. And I yeah, I, I think the other thing is, you know, one Cinderella in the final four, the ad execs will be like, okay, we can write a story about that. Three Cinderellas in the final four, and they're like, well, yeah. Now we're lighting money on fire. Um, and and but, the two better, the two better known teams, the two teams with one word in their name, like you know, they will play Miami each other, and they, yeah, they play each other in the final, but they're not playing each other in the final. So like, yeah, they they don't. Love so it. this goes to my other point about conference perception, though. We've heard about how bad the ACC is. They're awful, terrible conference. Uh, they're all garbage. The highest seed we had was UVA. They were a four. The ACC champion Miami Hurricanes were a five. And the, the regular season champions were a five. Duke, the tournament champion, was a five. And yet we see five-seed Miami in the final four. Last year, the ACC was terrible. They had two teams in the final four. And I sent you a tweet because it was going to be a preview of what I said. Uh, if year. you go back to the conference that has the most final four appearances over the last two seasons, that's the ACC. Last three seasons, still ACC. Last four seasons, you bet it's the ACC. Last five seasons, that would still be the ACC. Go add a number all the way to the last 12 seasons, you're still at the ACC. So maybe instead of just hearing what the perception is about how great the Big 12, which is a good conference, they just had a rough tournament, or how great the SEC or how great the Big 10 is, maybe we go ahead and let this these things play out in a tournament, which I'm glad that NCAA basketball allows that to happen. Hopefully someday football will figure it out and be able to figure out how to make money with a 16-team playoff. I don't know how it would work other than it's football and people will watch it. Um, but it's probably the same thing that they made this four-team playoff work out when we heard this will kill the sport and we won't make any money at it. Uh, and somehow they've made more money than ever. Um, but getting back to the basketball, it's amazing. And I think this year's tournament shows you not only was it a wide-open field, but the committee did a frankly terrible job at seeding. They get just frankly a bad job at seeding because San Diego State's a really good team. That's a five. I've already mentioned Miami should not have been a five seed. UConn uh, was a bit up and down, but the Big East in large part was not loved by this tournament outside of Xavier and Marquette, which were two of the teams that I thought were kind of fraudy in the Big East. Um, and then you have Florida Atlantic, who was a team that was very close to beating some top teams in non-conference play. They went ran right up with them and then just absolutely dominated their conference, which has proven to be a good conference. As I said, they've won the CBI. They will win the NIT and they have a team in the final four now in the NCAA tournament. Um, and they've looked great. Uh, definitely better than a nine seed. I don't know if rightfully anybody would have picked them to go to the final four, but I think when you look at some of these other teams and where they're seated, and we're scratching our heads, you know, like, is Northwestern a seven seed? Probably not. Um, is TC, should TCU have been a six? I don't think so. Are we, do we really think St. Mary's as a five seed's better than Florida Atlantic? I don't. So, 
I don't know, Leland. I, I just sometimes when you look at these seeds, and some of it is the tournament and the way it's played out and who they've gotten. I mean, it helped that Fairleigh Dickinson went out and upset Purdue. They didn't have to play Purdue. But then they had to play Tennessee from the SEC, which was this amazing basketball conference I've heard about all year. And they went out and knocked them out. Then they played a good K-State team, went absolutely down to the wire and beat them. And they beat a pretty good Memphis team to start the tournament. That was a very tight game. So they have shown that they're a good basketball team. And again, I just I celebrate this tournament. I'm like you, don't change it. Don't add more teams. I think this is exactly right. You have 68. Every conference is represented. And they play in a tournament. And Florida Atlantic made the most of their opportunities. San Diego State has made the most out of their opportunities. They beat a very good Creighton team uh, out of the Big East. And then Miami, who was getting absolutely clubbed by Texas, comes back and buries them. Ends up winning that game fairly comfortably against Texas. And, I mean, you have a guy who didn't miss a shot. He shot like 20 shots in the game, free throws and from the field, and didn't miss. I mean, that was amazing. And the Canes, I I think, you know, we keep talking about the U is back, the U is back in football, and they're never back. The the U might be a basketball school now. What about, I mean, it's not like I'm some big Jim Laranega guy, but like. That guy's good. I mean, yeah, he's good. I mean, he's taken two teams to the Final Four now, and neither of them have any business being in the Final Four. And last year. For history. Last year, they pushed Kansas to the brink. Absolutely. In the Absolutely. Elite Eight. They were, they were yes. almost in the Final Four last year. The There was a team that was right before COVID at Miami that had an injury in the tournament. Otherwise, that team might have been a Final Four team. Jim Laranega yeah. is very good at his job. He is an excellent yes, he is. coach. Yes, he is. I really liked Kansas State. I, you know, listened to the hype during the week. I had missed the games the previous weekend where I know the point guard did very well. Mm-hmm. And then, what was it, Thursday or Friday night? Mm-hmm. I mean, he tore it Gosh. up. And that was, I mean, he was really special to watch. Uh, so that was fun. I was disappointed they lost, mainly because I just wanted to watch him in the Final Four. I wanted to watch him, you know, the next weekend. Um, I mean, I just, I had no idea that FAU was this good. No idea at all. I had them losing the first game in the tournament. I had Memphis beating them. Uh, I had San Diego State losing the first game of the tournament. I had Charleston beating them. I mean, I'm very willing to admit all this because most people's brackets had crap like this in their brackets. Like, I mean, my by far isn't the worst of stuff like this. But, like, I had no faith in those teams at all. I mean, the conference that San Diego State comes out of, they didn't win a game last year in the tournament, including themselves. Right. I just I had no faith in them whatsoever. I think I've made that point when we were talking about a bracket and you nodded along. you like, you just, there was no reason to think that they'd be in the final four and here they are. So they played very tough. Um, you know, you say, okay, well then now UConn is the, is the favorite. Well, what does that mean? That just means that's actually bad news for UConn. Yeah. Because like Texas, <laughs> the couple days before that was the number one, you know, and I was happy about that. That's who I had in my bracket. I'm going to yeah. win the whole damn pool. If, if Texas wins and nope, that goes. So yeah, I mean, anybody can do it from now, from here. I, you know, am I rooting for ACC in Miami? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I am. <laughs> like, I, I, my problem is, is that I don't like anybody but Tech, so it's hard for me to, to like Miami, who's in our conference with us, and them have that claim to a national championship. I don't know if I'm rooting for that. UConn, it wouldn't bother me because um, I've seen UConn win championships before, so it's just another one for a, a team with a lot of history. Would it be fun for San Diego State? 
or FAU to do it. Absolutely. It, it'd be, it'd be different. And it's going to start tearing down that, you know, everybody thinks it's just so, you know, Kansas and everybody's so way ahead. And it's just, it is a lot closer than everybody even thinks. I mean, it absolutely is. And it, it keeps, it keeps getting proven that way. Yeah, I really do. I start to think last year was the anomaly last year of having Villanova, Kansas, UNC and Duke in the final four. I I'm, I think here in 10 years, we'll look back and be like, wow, look at that final four. We hadn't had one like that in a while with these teams, you know, that many uh, traditional teams, but I think we'll have seen a lot of good tournaments too. So I do too. I, I like this kind of tournament and I'll be watching the final four. I know you're right. Ratings oh, yeah. wise, it's not going to be fantastic for CBS probably, but I'll be watching. And yeah. Investment wise, worried about me and you watching though. I mean, we right. watch. That's, that's investment wise. I do have Miami and I have San Diego State, but part of me is rooting for the absolute CBS nightmare of Florida Atlantic Miami because then it's one region. Yeah. So, uh, well, particularly one region of one state. It's South Florida in the national championship <laughs> with Boca yeah. Raton and Miami. Um, but I'll give you a fun fact about San Diego State basketball that you might not know. Uh, I heard this stat on the Dan Levitard show, courtesy of Mike Schur. Did Tony Gwynn play basketball? Because if not, then I don't know it. Who is the career leader in assists at San Diego State? Uh, I don't know. You said his name. It's Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn. I was being being (laughs) a complete smart bug with what I just said. Tony Gwynn, the career leader in assists at San Diego State. No. I have never heard about that. How have we... I mean, I even listened to something the other day talking to like related San Diego State being relevant to Tony Gwynn. And I, I mean, I knew that. I, that wasn't where I learned that. But man, that is crazy. Huh. So there you go. How about that? But now San Diego State will play Florida Atlantic and Miami will play UConn. And uh, hopefully Miami beats Two? UConn. Unlike you, I am not rooting for UConn. I would care if UConn won. Uh, we are down to 45 states, just so everyone knows. Um, we did lose Texas uh, so when they lost well, we to Miami. UConn if they upset Miami, huh? We will lose. We, will, we, we lose might Texas. lose Miami. Uh, we might lose Florida. Um, <laughs> California is hanging on by a thread. San Diego State has brought that state back uh, multiple times. Uh, most importantly, after UCLA choked uh, to Gonzaga. San Diego State brought the state of California back, which was huge. Um, but yeah, I mean they're back on the line. So what's like the political? What's the political map look like after you take these states out? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so when we're looking <laughs> at it, um, Texas obviously, you know, that's a bad news for the red guys um, losing Texas. Uh, I'll be honest though, Maryland, that's a blue state. Uh, we have lost Maryland. I'm sorry. We're at 44 states. Uh, we did lose Maryland when they lost to Alabama. I was in Maryland yesterday. It seemed to still be there. No. Well, you're lucky that they didn't require you to have a passport to get back into Virginia. <laughs> um, let's see. Tennessee. That would be a fairly red state. Um, I haven't really paid attention to that. But that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was. I know you're joking, but I'm just, you know, if we're if we're being honest, this does matter a little bit. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy tournament, though. Oh, Arizona, that's kind of a purple-ish state, Um, slightly red, but purple-ish. Yeah, Arizona losing, kind of. See, this is where your, you know, political science major from college. I should have paid attention to that and send. 
the work you do professionally with sports and your interest in that. Like, this is where you, this is your niche, probably. Like, you should probably, mm-hmm. I should have done that. I'll look at that podcast. That I think North Carolina was gone. Gambling, and then the results of that, how you take states away and what that would mean politically. Yeah. So, I think that's a good point. I'll work on that. And when we get to the end of the tournament, I'll have that for you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's been a rough tournament. Uh, in, in addition in, to your Billy Joel podcast, you know, particular nights, yeah, which has been amazing. It's, gosh, I love Billy Joel. Um, in fact, my fantasy baseball team is called the Knights of Joel, um, and I've told the group that um, after I'm done with this podcast, I'm recording a smack talk message as commissioner the night before the opening day and releasing it, um, where I will be releasing a Billy Joel quote each video. Um, or Billy Joel lyric, really. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and share the words of Joel for the people of Joel. Thanks be to Joel. Oh, yeah. My my fantasy baseball team is always named Legend, like it is for the brackets That's and lame. everything else. Um, looking at the brackets, we have uh, the men's side is decided. Uh, we have Mickey is going to be the winner for the X Sports podcast on the men's bracket. Reach out to us right on Twitter. Page. Or yeah, Facebook I, uh, or Mickey, whatever. Mickey, Mikey, I, I think it's Mickey. It's Mickey. Uh, we're just not placing you. If you if you if we know you well, I'm sorry. Uh, we're just not placing uh, who you are. So just let us know uh, who you are, and we will welcome you on the podcast at the uh, appropriate time when we get it scheduled. Um, but yeah, Mickey's going to finish first. Normie's finishing second. I'm finishing third. I rode Texas, uh, and then Matthews finishing fourth. So that's uh, we'll go in fifth. Will was was in the fifth position. He. He's a previous winner mm-hmm. of the podcast. So uh, I was 13th, which I feel like is a great position to be in. It's my lucky number. So, you know, got to love that. So, um, yeah, you know, as, as, since you are always right, you know, I just. I, I did yeah. warn people this was not going to be a good bracket. <laughs> I put wrong answers only as my bracket name and it lived up. My mother-in-law always does a very chalky bracket. and. Uh, so Ooh. she was making hers this year, and I just was kind of like, no, don't, don't make it chalky this year. Like, it's, that's not going to go well. And uh, she didn't, and uh, this is in our, our, our like, uh, private bracket. And she she had a good look. Like, I looked at it, and it wasn't my picks, but I was like, hey, this is a good look bracket. And uh, she's in. She's going to get money. So uh, she's either going to finish tied for first, and we'll let the Yahoo uh, decide who wins that, or she'll finish tied for second. So uh, I was proud of, proud of her for that. And she watches a lot of basketball. She's she knows the sport, so uh, I was happy she put that to good use this year. While we're talking about the men's tournament, something that happened uh, since the last time we recorded that you kind of love to see. Uh, Alabama not only lost, but their star player, who had some trouble earlier, had a historically terrible tournament game against San Diego State and got eliminated. So, Yeah, and, and I have moved my attention to the people in charge down there, but, yeah, it also doesn't hurt my feelings that the player – I mean, at some point – at some point, this kid, this young man, should have had something not go right for him in relation to his behavior. I and just love I'm that Alabama. Worst, I'm not saying worst case scenario. I'm not saying put him in jail. I'm just saying maybe he could have sat down for a minute, and but he didn't. And so I'm I'm satisfied that karma got involved. Yeah, San Diego State sat him down and knocked him out of the tournament, and I love that. I love watching those fans lose. On the women's bracket, Wendy is sitting in first place. She has LSU as the winner, so she has potential to go ahead and win that. Mm-hmm. I believe actually tied for first with her is Stephanie. Uh, I know her well. She has South Carolina. 
And uh, so she has a chance to finish on the top there. Can I be um, honest before you finish? I'm kind of rooting for Stephanie because I feel like we might get that uniform talk that we always tease like we might. I feel like that might actually get to happen. That'd be fun. That would be fun. So I'm good with you rooting for Stephanie for this. I am too. There's She didn't fill one out for any kind of money, so uh, not as much there. Um, Stephanie has Indiana, though, in the final, which is not in it. So you, she does have to kind of watch some of these people behind her who also have South Carolina like Bill, who has Virginia Tech in the final. So there is a little bit of stress there in the women's side. But uh, we're probably probably getting a winner from one of those three since – or no, I don't know. No, no. You have Iowa, so you have a chance to jump up if Iowa wins. Um, but these next few, including me at fourth and Matthew at fifth, who have South Carolina, it's going to be hard for us to jump those people. But you at six with Iowa have a – have a chance too. So lots to still be decided in that bracket and uh, that'll be fun. It will be fun. It's going to be great college basketball final fours on both sides, uh, men's and women's. I feel like, uh, you know, you have the Cinderella stories in the men's game and then you have some absolute blue bloods uh, and maybe new faces, but top seeds yeah. in the women's side. We hope a new blue blood up there, right? I think, I think Virginia Tech's going to be a new blue blood. I like it. We're a basketball um, women's basketball school. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take it. Hopefully, men's. I'll, I'll, hopefully Mike Young and them boys can figure it out. But I think they can. I mean, they had a lot of close games this year. I like I, we're a steady, steady thing there. I think we can rebound. Um, talk about the men's game real quick. Mutz from Virginia Tech. He's playing in that All Star game on Friday afternoon evening uh, for the college level. If for any Tech fans interested in watching that. Uh, that'll lead into the women's basketball that night. So I think I'm just going to have to quit working a little bit early on Friday afternoon to watch all that. Um, high school stuff, just honestly, we, we've we been bogged down with NCAA tournament. Next week, you're going to hear more. So I know baseball has been going. They're going to get into district play. We're going to talk about it some um, because we know we'll have teams that are looking to go deep. I think sports started out pretty strong here. So uh, in baseball and softball, we have plenty to talk about. So if you're here for that, it, it'll be better for the local <laughs> local high school stuff coming up. Um, NFL, there's been a lot of a lot of little stuff. The Aaron Rodgers to the Jets has been kind of the bigger story. No. I think we talked about it before. It was official. Um, it's not official I, yet. Yeah, I'm so sick of that whole story, so I'm not eager to even talk about it. Um, but, you know, now they're playing in the media of who tried to talk to who and who said what. You know, it's just – I'm pretty done with Aaron Rodgers. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, and the only good news for the Jets is there's another quarterback that we'll talk about later that is now potentially available and could be used as leverage against the Packers. Um, but if that's truly what the holdup is on this, and Aaron Rodgers is not making that up, which who knows? Um, I think the biggest NFL news is that it seemed to be like right on the brink of the commanders being sold. The Washington football team was going to get sold, but that also isn't finalized by yeah. any means. It seems like there's two final groups with like $6 billion bids. One of those groups has Magic Johnson involved, uh, which is very interesting. I'm for whichever group can get that team playing at the old RFK site, tear that building down, build a new stadium there. That's apparently still in the mix for for some of these, some of the many bids that were coming in previously i believe 
one of these groups that are still involved have that opportunity. They have those, that confidence of that. I'm for that. that. Whatever that means, whatever ownership group that means that can make that happen. That's who I want. That's where I want the stadium. And while we're talking about DC football, like I think you're right. If an ownership group can, a new ownership group is going to bring a, breathe a lot of new life into that fan base. Um, but that is an area that is absolutely starved for good football because the DC defenders are undefeated and that place gets packed. I mean, they pack Audi yeah. Field. They're a rowdy bunch of fans. The DC defenders have a great fan base and a loyal fan base. And I think that just goes to show you, like, if they're going there for the XFL, they will absolutely go there for an NFL team that they feel oh like yeah. the product, the the ownership is invested in the on product or on field product. Which right now I don't think they feel like that. And um, if you're ready, I guess we can segue into the D block a little bit. Um, yeah, D block time. Uh, but I know one of the popular theories is that the quarterback that I alluded to earlier is Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, but I know there's a lot of DC fans that are like, "Oh, well, the Commanders should go out and get Lamar Jackson." They're not going to go get Lamar Jackson. They're they're with Jacoby Brissett, and they are committed to making Sam Howell this year, uh, seeing if that works so they can kind of press the reset button if they need to. I think that's smart. I think a new ownership group is not going to come in and go get Lamar Jackson on top of that. Um, I think you have to be a little bit realistic about that approach. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, um, the latest in that is that he tweeted on March 2nd. uh, Well, he tweeted this week that on March 2nd, he requested a trade. The Ravens then non-exclusive tagged him. Um, No team has bought or bit on that. And I have been a long time believer of, Hey man, if Lamar doesn't need an agent and can go get this deal without having to cut somebody else in good for him. But I think at this point, Lamar Jackson needs an agent. He needs somebody in the room to one, take his phone away and Tom Brady it with a hammer. Um, because the more he tweets, the less likely it is that he goes and gets a contract in my opinion. Uh, it started out with the, I request to be traded by the Ravens, blah, blah, blah. Um, when the Atlanta Falcons came out and said, we're not interested, we don't want to upset our young quarterback, Desmond Ritter. I found that interesting because one, I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be that good, but two, that was a team that desperately needed a quarterback in my opinion. And if they're not going to bite, who does that leave you? Because the Panthers have the number one pick. They're drafting somebody. That's it. They didn't get the number one pick to not pick a quarterback. Uh, The Raiders signed Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers have their replacements in mind already. The Saints got Carr. The Packers have Love. The Lions have said they want to make Goff their franchise guy, which, again, in my opinion bad idea, but the Lions have put that out there. So your options are maybe the Dolphins, but if you're the Dolphins, you have Tua. Your only downside with Tua is he can't stay healthy. Is your solution to that picking a guy who hasn't stayed healthy the last two seasons? Probably not. Uh, Tua is cheaper. Maybe the Patriots are the latest rumor. I don't see that. I don't see Bill Belichick giving up two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. I just don't. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. I don't think that's going to happen. 
Lamar Jackson seems, and, and he has now said that he doesn't need a fully guaranteed contract, or at least that's the rumor, which would be great if it's true because the whole reason he was mad and turned down the Ravens' first offer at the beginning of the year, which was a very good offer that he turned down, is $180 million, I believe, guaranteed out of $330 million total in the contract uh, that he turned down. And he said, I want the Deshaun Watson deal. And an agent might have been able to help him say, that's going to be the best offer you're going to get, Lamar, because nobody in the NFL sits there and goes, you know who we need to model our franchise after? The Cleveland Browns. Nobody has ever said that, ever, in the history of the NFL in a front office. And you know why I know that? Because it's the, one of the few franchises who have never been to the Super Bowl. And the Browns are one of the original franchises in the league. They suck. Not only do they suck, it's like that Jack Parkman quote, ironically, from Major League, which is also about a franchise in Cleveland. But you could say the Cleveland Browns are losers, either by choice or by birth. That is all they have ever been. They are not good. They have never done anything that people sit there and go, wow, good job, Cleveland Browns. That's never happened. They went and made a terrible, terrible contract for Deshaun Watson. No other NFL team is going to do that. The only team dumb enough to do that deal already did it, Lamar. So they're not going to give it to you. You haven't been able to stay healthy. Which brings me to my second part of his tweets that is going to get him in trouble. He said, I wasn't feeling 100%. People say I quit on the playoffs. Why didn't I quit weeks 1 through 12 if all I cared about was money? I didn't feel 100%, so I didn't play in that playoff game. I didn't want to be selfish and take away from my team. Hey, fair point. Guess what, though? You just put another nail in your I want a fully guaranteed contract coffin or the guaranteed contract portion, whatever portion of that you want guaranteed. Just took another hit because you missed the last six games. You missed a playoff game this year. You missed the last six or seven games last year and cost the Ravens a playoff spot. No NFL team wants to put themselves in salary cap hell for a quarterback that can't stay on the field. And I'm sorry. I know I'm being told by everyone, oh, he's actually a pretty good passer too. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to get a top contract because he can pass. It's because of his running ability. And he's already proven he's hurt. The NFL has not seen him on a field since the last injury. There has been no surgery to repair that. I don't know, man. To me, this seems pretty cut and dry on why he's not getting the contract he wants. It's not that the Ravens are disrespecting him. And if he feels the Ravens are disrespecting him, I've got news for him. He's not getting a better deal anywhere else in the NFL. And with his contract where he says, all I want to do is win Super Bowls. I think people know that about me that actually know me. I don't know Jack about you. Caught myself there. I don't know Jack about you, Lamar Jackson, because you say you want to win Super Bowls, but what you're going to do to a team that signs you in terms of salary cap is make it impossible for them to get weapons around you if they don't draft them. He's not winning a Super Bowl. I will say that right now flatly. I said that at the beginning. I have been proven right so far. Lamar Jackson, whether it's on the Ravens or wherever else, will not win a Super Bowl. And to the stupid Ravens fans, this is some of the dumbest people in America, which I know you already agree with. But when they sit there and go, <laughs> look at our numbers when Lamar's not in the offense. Look at our record. Look at what our stats are compared to the rest of the league. No, duh. Your starting quarterback is out. 
Look at any team's production when their starting quarterback is out outside of the San Francisco 49ers, who it seems the further they go down the depth chart, get better, which I think probably says something about their evaluation of the talent they do have. But no team gets better when their starting quarterback goes out. The Ravens are a competent front office. The Ravens will move on from Lamar Jackson. We have won Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco. If you think we can't find another quarterback to win a Super Bowl without Lamar Jackson, you don't know anything about football, and you are some of the dumbest mouth breathers on planet Earth. And the best thing we could do is shoot you to the sun so you don't take up any oxygen that the rest of us need. Of everything in your rant, the idea of him needing an agent is something I've been on. I, I think I've said as much. The way you were phrasing that of so he can so that agent can talk to Lamar. <laughs> I, I love that aspect of that point. I, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. You can walk in that room as the agent being like, hey, I represent this guy, this guy, and this guy. I'm going in these rooms. I'm going to these teams. They're saying this. They're saying that. I know you're better than them, but this is what you're going to get. You know, this is this is the max you can hope for. Because someone, I mean, someone's got to help him. Someone has got to help him, and it's it's not working. I I'm, I said I'm sorry, sick of the Aaron Rodgers story. I'm sick of the Lamar Jackson story plenty myself too, so. I was in Baltimore yesterday, and I stepped right on a stone that commemorated the uh, Super Bowl winning Ravens, and it was it was disgusting. So, oh, it must I'm have been glad, great. I'm glad if as long as Lamar Jackson's there, I won't have to worry about stepping on another one of those. So that was on Monday, and we're recording this podcast later in the week than we usually do, which is insane because we've had so much to talk about this week. Monday, we could have I could have done a podcast on Baltimore sports on Monday because between Lamar Jackson tweeting that and then the Orioles not to be outdone moving Grayson Rodriguez to AAA, which set that fan base ablaze on Twitter. It was it was amazing. It was, oh, what a great day to be on Twitter. Now, <laughs> I didn't love Grayson Rodriguez being sent down for a couple reasons. Uh, least importantly, he's on my fantasy team. Uh, but it's a keeper league, so I'll be able to make it work. Uh, but also, I he's a young prospect that I'm excited about, and I hope he does well. I will say, Toward the end of spring training, he did get in the Orioles' defense. He got roughed up at the end of spring training. They want him to get better command, have better confidence, work on that in AAA, then bring him back up. The guy who took his spot in the rotation, Tyler Wells, has looked good in the spring. I think long-term, Tyler Wells is not going to be a viable option. But maybe for the month of April, maybe May, sure. I, I don't think the number five man is going to make or break us in terms of a playoff spot through the first month, month and a half of the season. I think the Orioles will bring Grayson Rodriguez up early in the year. I think that helps. And then I think you look at some of the other guys that are probably going to get called up there as well. And I, I think this team is going to be good. Gunnar Henderson is going to be a monster this year. And the Orioles, um, I guess moving on to my next thing, and then I'll let you do both of yours. Well, since they, I'm they better win the going playoffs. That's all I know. Um, the, the Orioles have been <sighs> exciting. Um, I, I, I look at this roster. I am excited. Anthony Santander had a fantastic World Baseball Classic. Cedric Mullins is going to be good again. Uh, you look around. You have Gunnar Henderson, who's a Rookie of the Year candidate. You have Grayson Rodriguez, who will be called up at some point. You have Adley Rushman, the savior himself, uh, 
he put out a reel today on Instagram, and I just got so jacked. I was like, God, I cannot wait to beat the pants off the Boston Red Sox on opening day in Boston in front of those losers. Um, that's going to be great. Um, it's it's going to be a great day, and I think it's going to be a great year. I do think, you know, talking Orioles baseball, third is realistic. But as Leland knows, the one team I let myself get my hopes up with is the Orioles. And I'm going to say the Yankees win the AL East, which will be terrible. But I think the Orioles are second place in the division. They do get into the playoffs. I think they make some noise in the playoffs. I like the Orioles. I think we're going to be good. This is the best the rotation has been since I can remember for a while. I think the bullpen's going to be pretty good. And I think our offense is going to put up runs. I think we're going to be a good baseball team this year. And I think it starts on opening day when we go out and we beat the pants off the Boston Red Sox. I like it. I need to start the day off with a good step because I, I got to have them in the playoffs. Baseball's going to be I don't fun. know if I have any sleepers this year. You know, like a couple years ago, I think I was kind of on the San Diego train on the front side. I think I was high on the Braves before they won the World Series. People are high on the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I haven't bought into that one as much. Minnesota was a team that I was on. Didn't work out there. I don't know. I'd like to see Seattle to stay up. Like, they made the playoffs last year, right? So, it'll be fun. I think Seattle's got a good chance. Yeah, I like it. I hope so. My Pirates have no chance. So, they are no. already eliminated from playoff contention. So I was worried I have two Pirates on my team at the end of the draft. And I was like, that's two pirates too many but it's their young shortstop o'neill cruz and their young outfielder brian reynolds o'neill cruz didn't go that late in our draft so that's good that's good get we had a lot of guys reach up uh your catcher there at the orioles he went i had him on my list and i was kind of looking i was like okay i'll probably draft him a round or so before he has to go and many rounds before that he went so i was gonna say uh, when it comes to catchers jt real muto is probably better I know Will Smith was on Team USA, but I wouldn't rate Will Smith better than Adley Rushman. Um, but even if you put Will Smith ahead, I think Adley's next. Adley's yeah. dynamite. Yeah. He's that kid's yeah. gonna be. Special. I wanted him. Gosh, he's good. I wanted him. Man, I don't. I have Mateo as a backup on the mm. bench. Mm. Mateo's a good defensive player. He is. Yeah, an adventure at right. the plate. So. I, I have Anthony Santander. I mean, in terms of Orioles, if we're doing Orioles, I went and yeah. signed uh, Cole Irvin in free agency to replace the uh, Grayson Rodriguez that I had to put on the NA spot. On my Pittsburgh Pirates, I got Brian Reynolds. That's that's the only one I fanboyed for. Um, Jeff yeah, I'm Jason. looking forward to opening day. I'm looking forward to. I I miss like even the Sunday night game and then monday and everybody playing in the day games like i miss that dynamic i miss that espn showing three straight baseball games uh with their new contract they don't have that mm-hmm. but at least the mlb tickets for is free for on direct tv at the beginning of the season so i'll be able to watch whatever i want um when i get to it tomorrow but yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to every day really looking forward to baseball season i i do every year and then at some point i lose myself because my team has have no chance uh, but the diamond sport that I'm probably going to watch in person this weekend is the JMU softball team. They host Louisiana mm. 
this weekend. So a big series for the Dukes and Coach Lauren Laporte and that softball team. So I'm hoping to make it there. Friday they play at 2, Saturday at noon, and Sunday at 3. Uh, but I'm aiming for that Saturday game to hopefully be able to get in there and, and see that game. That's a Louisiana's won 50, I think, straight uh, Sunbelt series. And uh, Jamie's going to try to change that on home yeah. turf. So, Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful for that. So I hope to have an in-person update of the JMU Dukes on Monday or next week when we record. They're 20 and seven overall, five and one in the conference, winning streak of seven games. So, you know, kind of sitting in a range of where we hope they were. I think we hope maybe a, a few less losses, um, but I think they found themselves in the beginning of the year. So I'm hopefully, hopeful that they can continue to have confidence after this series with Louisiana. I hope like they can at least get a game, if not, you know, really battle it out and see if they can win a series. Um, and, you know, give them that confidence in the Sun Belt, which is tough. So yeah. we'll see what they get. Speaking of Diamond Sports, uh, VCU baseball getting hot at the right time, right before conference play. They're on a tear now. Offense is really picked up. Pitching's picked up. I got to call my first immaculate inning I think I've ever got to call uh, when the freshman Curly went out and struck three out pitches? three on nine pitches. And nice. uh, also the folks there at the Diamond that stayed through the little bit of rain that popped up in the ninth inning got to get free Papadias for the first time this year when they struck out 13. Ooh. And they were, it was just a strikeout contest there against Norfolk State. And the bats were great. Uh, I got to do the ball was lost to the night for the first time this year when Ike blasted a three run home run. So, yeah, that last game was great for VCU. They start 8 10 play with St. Bonaventure this weekend. What, what was exciting for me was walking on the way back from Baltimore. We stopped for dinner. We stopped at a Glory's Days restaurant, hmm. um, which is, you know, Applebee's equivalent, but sure. many TVs on the walls. And I walked in there and looked up on the TV and I pointed to my family. Hey, Joe's on that game. Joe's on that TV. And oh, that's uh, cool so that, that they was, had us on in Baltimore. That, that was a cool moment that uh, they had the mass and channel on. And I knew your voice was on. We couldn't we couldn't hear you. But uh, it's just cool. It's just I, I love that you have that opportunity. Yeah, but we were on mass and um, we will be on mass and Friday. So you got the MLB nice. teams on mass and Thursday, Friday. They will not be playing either the O's or the Nats. So tune in six o'clock Friday. I know yeah. you got the women's final four game that yeah, really text, conflicts yeah, with that. I'll, I'll listen to you open. And then, yeah, uh... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You just tune in at the beginning, you know, do what you got to do. Virginia tech final four. Then, you know, I, I am a big fan of Joe deck. I'm going to watch Kenny. <laughs> that's fine. I get it. Um, but yeah, tune in at six for, to mass and you can watch. Kenny's earned that. He he gets to one up you after after what we've been through here. Yeah, I didn't believe in him, so that <laughs> makes sense. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, thanks for tuning in this week to the X Sports Podcast. We're here every week bringing the sports talk that matters to you, the Augusta County sports fan. Make sure you're following us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook. YaksportsPod at gmail.com is the way to interact with us privately through an email. And uh, subscribe to us, Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Make sure you're telling your friends that's how they can hear us. And like I said, we'll be back with more of the very local talk coming up with the uh, spring sports in full motion now, getting ready for district play in the Shenandoah district. So Joe and I have a lot to talk about there and a lot of hopes for uh, postseason play with those teams. We'll be back next week to talk about that. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 